Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And on today's episode, we have actual news. Very exciting. I do need to let you know, though, we are not going to talk about Cybertruck today, even though Elon was on Joe Rogan and talked a little bit about Cybertruck. We really didn't find that much out anyway. But I have a whole episode planned for November 21st, and that's when we're going to chat about the Cybertruck. So, yeah, I want to I want to save all that for that episode. All right, let's jump into our EV news. And speaking of jumping, Subaru is jumping on the NACS bandwagon. Uh, This makes a lot of sense. Subaru only makes one electric vehicle, and that one electric vehicle that Subaru happens to make is more or less the Toyota BZ4X or BZ4X for the folks that don't live in North America. Uh, You know, Toyota jumped on the NACS bandwagon. I'm saying jumped a lot. (laughs) It's not even written on the paper. I don't even know why I'm doing that. Toyota uh, said that they were adopting NAX, the NAX connector, a few weeks ago. This makes sense. The the Subaru Solterra, like I said, is largely uh, a cousin. We'll call it a cousin to the Toyota BZ4X. So this could have just as easily been announced when they announced that Toyota was going to use the NACS adapter. The 2024 Hyundai Ioniq 5 has received IIHS's Top Safety Pick Plus, which is the highest award award given by the organization. So congratulations to the Hyundai team or the Hyundai Ioniq 5 team. All right, let's move on to NEO and their October 2023 sales. They actually grew year over year, 60% increase year over year. NEO sold or delivered 16,074 electric vehicles. In 2023 total, NEO has delivered more than 126,000 EVs, which is up 33% from a year ago. So this is great. NEO is trending in the right direction. Unfortunately, they're still not profitable. Right now, this is an amazing number. Right now, NEO is losing around $35,000 a car. That is 
a very impressive number. So to combat the losses, they are going to cut 10% of the staff positions to help, to help them achieve profitability. And I hate seeing anyone lose their jobs, but sometimes this does make sense for a business to do. NEO's CEO, William Lee, says that NEO will eliminate duplicate and other inefficient roles. So it makes sense. Tesla went through something similar, you know, five or six years ago, where they just got rid of all of the contractors that weren't doing anything. They got rid of all of the duplicate roles, all of the extra, you know, layers of management that weren't needed. So this this does make sense to me. Another avenue Neo is seeking to reach profitability is to sell their cars in the United States by 2025. Now, it remains to be seen if that will be a profitable uh, venture for them or not, but I'm looking forward to seeing an actual Neo vehicle driving on the roads here in the United States. I do wonder if they'll contract with a company like Foxconn or Magnus Steyr to build their electric vehicles here in the United States. Because that would allow, if they meet certain criteria, for them to take advantage of EV tax credits. And honestly, partnering with a company like Magnus Steyr or Foxconn would not be that far, far out of the, the realm of possibility. Because right now, NEO doesn't build their own cars. They were going to, and then they decided it was going to cost them too much money. So they ended up sticking with JAC Motors in Japan, and they are the ones that actually build NEO's vehicles. And one last thing before we move on to our next story, as far as you know, how NEO would do here in the United States, I think they would be roughly as popular as Polestar is here in the United States. And as you know, from the circles that I run in, Polestar has a very good reputation and it's thought to be a solidly built car. I don't think Neo is going to gain the same market share as Tesla, for instance, but I think it could have a nice, comfortable niche here in the United States. And I'm looking forward to seeing these cars, you know, rolling around on U.S. streets and Canadian and Mexican streets as well. Speaking of foreign cars rolling around on U.S. and Canadian and Mexican streets, VinFast is thinking of bringing the VF3 EV to the United States. Currently, it's set only to be released in Vietnam, and it actually might be released in Vietnam. The article that I got this from wasn't exactly clear, or at least I didn't pick up on it if it was. Anyway. The whole point is VinFast polled nearly 100 U.S. dealers on whether or not they should bring the VF3 to the United States, and nearly 100% of those dealers said yes. I don't understand why they just didn't give us the actual percentage, but nearly 100% said yes. Um, here are some highlights of the VF3. First of all, it's boxy and stubby. In my eye, uh, to my eye, it looks like a Dodge Raider. Raider, if you can remember that far back, uh, which was my first car. My first car was a Dodge Raider, and I loved that car. It was awesome. It was an amazing car. It's also roughly the size of a Suzuki Sidekick. It's not very big. It's boxy and stubby, like I mentioned. It's a bit longer than 10 feet, but not much. It's actually shorter than the Mazda Miata, so it's a small car. It's a it's an SUV. It's got two doors. It seats five people. They claim back some of that space in the cabin for comfort by making the dash really shallow. And it is. It's super shallow. Um, there's some space for luggage in the back. It's going to come in two trim levels. 
Eco N Plus. Right now, we don't have specs, but we do have a price. In Vietnam, this car retails for $12,200, US which is insane. If they brought it here to the United States, it would be under $20,000, which is amazing. But the question remains, will people, will US citizens, North Americans, will they buy this car? And the answer is, I think they will. I think people are going to actually end up loving this car. It is really cool looking. It's well designed. The interior, for me, looks a little um, minimalist, um, just to be polite. But it's a it's a twenty thousand dollar car. I'm not expecting you know uh, Mercedes level quality in the interior of this car. It's an affordable car. Lots of people can afford. Not everybody, but lots of people will be able to afford this car. And when you consider that their Vinfast is building a factory currently in North Carolina, and if it meets you know there's certain criteria, <laughs> then that may qualify for the $7,500 tax credit here in the U.S. that would allow some buyers to pick this car up for less than $10,000 when you add in incentives from uh, different states and localities. Like, it's not everybody's going to pick it up for that cheap. Everybody in the U.S. who qualifies will get the $7,500 tax credit. If you live in some state, uh, if you live in California and some cities, you get the state incentive plus a local incentive and you know, there, there's lots of different things out there. Uh, but yeah, th- that would make this car not free, but really cheap. Um, I know Canada has incentives for cars as well, for EVs in Mexico. So this is, this. I think this is a good deal. Even if it ends up selling for $2,500 or $25,000 here in the United States, I think it's still a very good deal. Speaking of good deals, if you are feeling really generous this year and want to give an unnamed EV podcast host a Christmas gift, Cadillac has teamed up with Neiman Marcus to make the most expensive Cadillac EV uglier and a bit more bougie. The Cadillac Celeste is one of the ugliest cars I've ever seen. I don't, I, I hardly talk about this car because the base price of this thing is $340,000. Well, now you can get the Neiman Marcus trim, which is nearly three times as much. This car costs $975,000. Why in the world you would buy this thing is beyond me. Uh, What are the specs? My answer to that is who cares? This is an abomination. (laughs) It does nothing to curb the stereotype that EV owners are elitist. Like, it's not enough that you can afford a $340,000 car. You can pay three times of what that car is worth and get a $975,000 Neiman Marcus uh, branded Cadillac Celeste. I don't know. This was dumb. I I think this is this is a complete waste of money. If the money was going to charity, great. I could I could see why somebody would do that. But uh, I don't know. Please, this holiday season, if you are inclined, donate or volunteer at your local food bank or other low reputable charity. And um, yeah, don't buy a $975,000 car that's really only worth $340,000. Ah, 
remember when the Chevy Equinox EV was going to be affordable? Remember? Uh, it wasn't that long ago. It was just a couple months ago, really. On GM's earnings call, they announced that they were going to push out the launch of several of their EVs by a few months. And the Equinox was one of those EVs. Well, recently, GM had a conference call or Chevy had a conference call with journalists and they, they announced the Equinox EV. Um, they also, they, they announced that they're going to raise the starting price by $35,000. Um, but that version of the car, the, the, the base version of the car will not be available till the end of 2024 unless Chevy delays it again. And then sometime in 2025, but at the beginning of 2024, you can get an Equinox EV They'll start delivering them in in the beginning of 2024, according to what you know Chevy is saying. But the starting price for the front wheel drive version of this car is going to be forty nine thousand dollars, and the all wheel all wheel drive version will be around fifty two thousand dollars. It's actually a bit more than fifty two thousand dollars. So their affordable EV, the the Chevy Equinox, the affordable EV that was going to start at thirty thousand dollars. Uh, will st- eventually someday start at $35,000, maybe. But in reality, it's going to start at $49,000. I'm not going to go into the specs because I'm sure what we'll end up getting at launch is not what I'm going to talk about today. And I don't feel like it's a pro- like it's, I don't feel like it's productive because things can change. This story actually makes me very sad. So if you were holding out for the Chevy Equinox and you're like, I'm not paying $49,000 for a car that they said would cost $30,000. The good news is, you know, the Chevy Bolt will be available until March of 2024. You know, they're going to start winding down production at the end of you know December 2023 on the Chevy Bolt. But you should be able to get one March of, until March of 2024, according to Chevy. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. All right. I don't know why, but those last two stories made me upset. My stutter came out a little bit. Uh, yeah, that, that's nice. I always like when that happens. Let's go ahead and thank the people who support this show. And I promise not to stutter through this. Uh, because everybody who supports the show is actually supporting the show and not me. I do not use the money that goes into the show for myself. It pays for the production of the show. And it's more expensive than you think. It's not just paying for podcast hosting. There's a lot that goes into this show. So I want to thank the following people. Uh, these folks support on Acast Plus. David, Ravi, Jerbo, and Sean. And I don't usually do this, but I would like to thank the following people who follow us on Patreon. It doesn't mean that they are supporting on Patreon, but they do follow us. I want to thank Casey, Jerbo, Eric, and Brian. Jerbo is <laughs> Jerbo is is on probation because he supports us on ACAST Plus. He follows in Patreon and he also uh pays in Patreon. So Jerbo, uh, you know, only one place, please. And now on to the folks who support us through Patreon. John, Just Another Nick, Charles, Electron Waste, Raceway Fabricator, <laughs> Scott, Gene, Chris B., Jaime, Mo Cowbell. Kind of an interesting story. More Cowbell was the slogan for my fire academy. Uh, Don, Christopher, Stephen, Alex, Alan, Friendly Sleep 66, Joseph, Jeffrey, Steve, Bruce W., Isaiah, Howard, Jessica Kirsch, Bruce C., Michael Muskie, Rolando, Tommaso, Chip, Chris B., Sierra, Dale, Don, Cameron, Nate Z., Mark, and James from Two North EVs. And I should say Jessica Kirsch has a YouTube channel, channel youtube.com slash Jessica Kirsch. Thank you all very much for supporting this show. I really appreciate it. If you would like to join them, I only ask for $1. $1 and you get rid of the ads. So you can go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt, or you can go to ACAST Plus. All of the links are in the show notes. But again, thanks to all who are supporting this show. Let's go ahead and move into our Tesla news some Model 3 Highland owners have taken to Reddit to talk about their new vehicles. Uh, the Model 3 Highland is not yet available here in the United States, so most, if not all, of these people who are talking about it are European uh, uh, owners. They say the car is more comfortable, the suspension has improved by quite a bit, the speaker system is great. One of the complaints about the Highland, though, is that Tesla Vision isn't up to snuff. Uh, there's problems with the parking visualizations. The automatic wipers don't come on when it rains. Uh, there's random warning, warnings to stop immediately, even though there's no car in front of you. I just want to say, when you read this stuff, take it seriously, but also know it'll get better. Tesla has a habit of... Um, degrading the autopilot full self-driving service when they introduce new hardware and then they build it back up. All of this will get better. I'm assuming this is all based on hardware for it'll get better. Let's see. Tesla service workers in Sweden have gone on strike because Tesla has refused to sign a collective bargaining agreement. 
As a result, Swedish dock workers in consolidation with the Tesla service workers have stated that they will refuse to unload Teslas at Swedish ports unless Tesla resolves the issue in a timely manner. Right now, EVs make up 60% market share in Sweden, or I should say plug-in cars because you can have a plug-in hybrid, but 60% is a lot. The Model Y is currently the best-selling EV in Sweden. 6% of sales for the total car market in Sweden are the Model Y, which accounts for 14,000 Model Ys to this point. So what are the Tesla service workers claiming? Well, they're claiming that their working conditions are worse than other auto mechanics in Sweden. The collective bargaining agreement is meant to bring Tesla in line with the rest of the industry. The strike includes 130 service workers in seven different locations. I'm going to be honest, I don't know much about the labor market in Sweden. I do know Tesla has not been open to working with unions in the past, and it could be argued that they've been hostile to some employees who have tried to unionize. And when I say argued, they have been (laughs) found guilty of that. The article, which I got from Electric, states that about 90% of Sweden's workforce is covered by some type of collective bargaining agreement, even if the workers aren't in a union. So it's really unlikely that Tesla is going to get anybody to scab for them to keep operations up and running while they're you know working out whatever negotiations they need to work out with the Tesla service union. When you have 90% of your workforce covered by some sort of collective bargain agreement, that means that you have, if you're a Swedish citizen, you have an uncle, a brother, a spouse, a mom, a dad, a grandparent that's involved in some type of union. And I think it's very unlikely that you're going to cross that that picket line. Like it's taboo to cross a picket line here in the United States. And let's just say unions can be controversial here. If you live in a country where 90% of your workforce is covered by a collective bargain agreement, again, not everybody in that 90% is union, but they are covered. Um, that's a lot of peer pressure. There are 10.5 million people in Sweden, and I highly doubt that they're going to find very many people, if any, willing to cross that picket line to keep Tesla up and running. And even if they do, you know, the, the walk, the, the, the Swedish dock workers aren't going to unload new Tesla cars. Tesla's going to have to figure something else out. Which I hope that something else that they figure out happens to be, you know, signing the collective bargaining agreement or coming to some sort of agreement with those workers. I think, honestly, I think Tesla would be better off if it did have a union, but uh, or if their employees had a union, for sure. We mentioned a few weeks ago that Tesla was being sued over whether or not autopilot uh, led to a fatal accident. And there's a couple of, of suits that are out there, uh, two that I know of, but uh, there's some other ones that are a little bit different, but that there are two that are similar. In this particular case, the one we're going to talk about today, this was a civil lawsuit filed uh, alleging that autopilot led to Micah Lee's Model 3 veering off the highway at 65 miles an hour, striking a palm tree and catching on fire. This incident led to Lee's death and and it injured two passengers, including a child, and the child was seriously injured. 
Tesla argued in court that Lee had consumed alcohol prior to getting behind the wheel. In addition, Tesla argued that it was unclear whether or not autopilot was engaged at the time of the crash. And I don't know if any of this is true. I don't know if Lee had anything to drink. I don't know how much he had to drink if he did. I don't know what time frame he was drinking, but between drinking and and the time that he drove. I don't know any of that stuff. So I'm just, you know, uh, being as impartial as I possibly can about this is what I'm saying here. I would imagine, though, that it would be difficult to win a case of this type if the driver had consumed alcohol prior to driving the vehicle, even if it was a small amount, and even if that amount was hours before they drove, um, I, I think this would be difficult to win. The jury found that Lee's vehicle did not have any manufacturer's defect, and uh, there was a 9-3 decision on the, de- on the jury's part uh, to rule in favor of Tesla in this. Now, Guidehouse Insights analyst Sam Abul Samed said this about Tesla's full self-driving and autopilot disclaimers. I think that anyone is going to have a hard time beating Tesla in court on a liability claim, he said. This is something that needs to be addressed by regulators. If you're not familiar with Sam Abul Samed, he is not a fan of Elon's, and he's been very critical of full self-driving and autopilot in the past. And I do find that in this instance, anyway, I do agree with him that this really needs to be addressed by regulators. And Elon needs to shut up. He needs to be quiet. I don't like using the word shut up because it's impolite, but he needs to shut up and stop talking about how great this feature is and how amazing it is and how it does all these things because he's not helping Tesla in any way, shape or form by doing this. All right, let's move on to our final story, which is not a bummer story. I didn't plan on putting all these Tesla stories that were sad and depressing and made Tesla look like a bad company. Didn't intend on doing that. Um, That's just kind of how the news, (laughs) the news came in this week. Uh, Final note real quick, though, Elon Musk announced that Tesla will produce a mass market 25,000 euro EV at Giga Berlin. So at this time, Tesla will manufacture unaffordable EV at Giga Mexico, China, Giga Berlin and Giga Texas, because on their last earnings call, it sounded like until Giga Mexico got up and running and the economy macroeconomics until that improved tesla felt more comfortable producing the $25,000 ev affordable car here in the united states i wish they would just give us a name for this stupid car because i don't know what to call it but the affordable car that they're going to build in berlin elon said it would be built for the european market so that is unclear whether or not this new car will just be a different version of what they're going to sell here in North America, or if it'll be built specifically for the European market, or if it'll you know share some DNA with the U.S. car or the Chinese car. We don't know, but uh, it'll be interesting to find out, and hopefully they, they announce it soon. All right, everybody, that is it for me this week. Hope you all had a wonderful week. On Tuesday's show, we will have another earnings call. I can't remember quite who we'll have because there's lots of earnings calls next week, but I'll pick one and we'll go from there. All right, everybody, thanks so much. I hope you all had a wonderful week and I will talk to you soon.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.